good. So we're going to um, be reading from um, Ruth. So Ruth chapter 4, Boaz marries Ruth. And it says, Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the garden redeemer he had mentioned came along. Now, garden redeemer, did, did John McCartney explain this last week to you about a garden redeemer? This is somebody who is in the tribe of Naomi who can um, actually buy the land that Naomi's owns and can take and, and can also marry um, Ruth and um, restore the land, the property, the family, and the name of Naomi's son. Yeah, so, this is, so it stops the land that Naomi owns being bought by another tribe or another people or another group. And it keeps it within that family group, that tribal group. So it's quite an important thing because if you own land, you don't want to lose that to other people, do you? You want to keep it within your tribe and your group. So somebody who is the closest relative to Naomi can buy that land. And so that just happens. That's not Boaz at this moment. So Boaz has to go and do a bit of detective work and find out if this person who is the closest relative to Naomi wants to buy the land and, and, and also marry Ruth. And Boaz wants to marry Ruth and Ruth wants to marry Boaz. It's exciting, isn't it? It's like soap opera, really, isn't it? It's really... So here we've got this drama. You know, will this person want to buy the land and marry Ruth or will Boaz get the opportunity? And remember, Boaz is a much older man and um, he, he's quite excited because Ruth wants to marry him and not some young dude with lots of money or some, some handsome chap. She actually really does want to marry Boaz because there's something of God in this, there's something that God's doing amongst us. And Ruth is a woman of God and she's saying, in the midst of this, I want to do what God wants to do and be part of God's plan. That's where we should all be, isn't it? We want to be part of God's plan and God's purpose and do what God wants to do in our lives, whatever challenging that is, as long as I don't have to marry Neil, I'm happy. That's <laughs> praise God. So, uh, so he, so just as the garden redeemer, he had mentioned came along. Boaz sat down and he said, "Come over here, my friend, and sit down." So he went over and sat down. And this, this is part of the tradition. They have to go sit down at this the gate of the elders. And so those witnesses to this transaction is going to take place. It's horrible, isn't it? You know, this is a transaction. But this is what it was like in these older days. There was love and fall, but it was about a transaction, a purchase of land, which included Ruth as part of the package. And um, Boaz took ten of the elders of the town, said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the garden redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our relative I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of those seated here and the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know, for no one has a right to do it except you. And I am next in line. And, and the person is the garden redeemer, the closest relative to, to Naomi, goes, oh, that sounds like a good deal. I'll buy that land. Yeah, give me a, how much is it? <laughs> yeah, do it. And then he goes, hmm, right, yeah. So you want the land, that, that's really interesting. There's one catch. See, Boaz doesn't tell him the catch. He just catches the guy's interest. Very clever, isn't it? He? he just gets him interested. Do you want to buy the land? 
That sounds like a duty. I'll buy you Naomi's know, land. It's an old widow who's, you know, probably going to die soon, and I'll get this land. I'll get my family. I'll be a bit richer, better off, and all these things. You can see it going through his head. Then the catch comes along. He says, I will redeem it. He says, Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Mobite. Oh, dear me. All the women in the room are going, <laughs> I can see the steam coming out of the ears already. But this is the way it happened, okay? Don't blame me. It's the Bible. So, <laughs> so uh, this, this, is, this is ancient culture. So, um, so he tells this garden redeemer, you have to redeem um, Ruth the Mobite also. Um, but also, redeemer, you, that any children that you have with Ruth will bear the name of Ruth's former husband. And any inheritance that, that comes from this land and from your land and other things will be um, in the name of Ruth's husband when it's divided up. So that husband is respected and regarded and, and, and his name in history and in the tribe and, and the future is still, still regarded. That's amazing, isn't it? So you can see the sacrifice that Boaz was willing to make here. You know, that actually not only does he marry Ruth the Mobite, but actually the children that Boaz will have with Ruth the Mobite will also take some sort of the name and, and history and background of Ruth's former husband. So that the, and any inheritance that Boaz leaves will be left in also the name of um, Ruth's former husband. So this is quite a sacrifice that he's making. It's not a. It's not, you can see his real love, isn't it? He's willing to sacrifice really a lot to be with Ruth, and. Um, he said, you also require Ruth the Mobite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead and his property. At this, the garden reader went, ah, no, thank you, <laughs> and ran away. So he, he, he got a bit kind of afraid and went, well, um, then I can't redeem it because it might endanger my own estate. Do you see? Boaz was willing to marry Ruth, even if it endangered his own estate. No matter what the cost, he was willing to redeem her. It's beautiful, isn't it? Who would like a husband like that, any cost? Or a wife like that? Or a partner like that? Who's willing to, to give of themselves in that way, in sacrifice? So it t- tells the picture about marriage, isn't it? You know, the, our marriage service in the Methodist worship book is very much based around the book of Ruth. Of that self-sacrifice, of giving of yourself, your people are my people. Your God is my God. You know, everything I have, I, I give for you. And everything that I can do, I'll do for you. Isn't it beautiful? You know, it comes to that picture of Ruth and Boaz, of that, that sacrifice that, that Ruth made to love, show love to Naomi. The sacrifices one, and also Boaz, the sacrifices willing to make to redeem and to restore Ruth and Naomi, and the sacrifices willing to make, give everything he has to be with this lady, this woman he loves. So he said, you redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Um, now, this, they had a very way of transferring property in ancient Israel. Does anybody know how they used to transfer ancient property? It's up there, isn't it? At home. He used to just, so when he said, I can't do it, so Boaz said, so give me your shoe. <laughs> the shoe seemed to be like an ancient contract. If you had the person's shoe, they couldn't argue with you. you know, I didn't sell that land to Boaz. Oh, he did. I've got his shoe. Yeah. <laughs> 
So quite incredible. So shoes had amazing power in the ancient world. So I don't know why. Don't know the purpose about it, but I had to take his shoe off and give it. I don't know if he had to give it straight back to, Bo, to, to the, uh, when Boaz took the shoe from the garden redeemer. I don't know if he had to give it right back or well, the person threw it away or whatever, what they did with the shoe, I don't know. It's really interesting, isn't it? Somebody could write a PhD just on what happened with that shoe. But it, it's, it's, but he gave me a shoe and said, that was a symbol to all the elders, everybody there, the deal is done. Boaz is going to marry Ruth and restore Naomi, redeem them, bring them back into the tribe, give hope, bring, bring a future, bring blessing, to bring children that Naomi won't be so sonless, but she'll have a grandchild, she'll have another son to look after her, to look after the future of the tribe in the name of her family. Isn't that exciting? It's like, a, it's like an exciting wedding, isn't it? You know, when all the... the, the, the the bride and the husband and wife, they, they kiss each other. And it's, like, it's like excitement, isn't it? There's this excitement about what's happening here. There's something very, very special going on here. And so the garden redeemer said to Boaz, buy yourself, and he removed his sandals. And Boaz announced to elders and all the people, today you, you are witness, I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimech, Kilion, and Malon, I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to name, maintain the name of the dead with his property so his name will not disappear from among his family, from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make, your, make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the family of Israel. May you have the, have the standing in Ephrathath and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring of the Lord gives you by this young woman may your family be like that of Perez whom Tamar before to Judah. Isn't that amazing? That's what you want isn't it? Do you know when you go anywhere you want the elders to bless you don't you? That's not great. You didn't just get Mary Ruth but the elders came and said put a blessing upon him a beautiful blessing, an incredible blessing and say you know may your family be like Rachel and Leah, may it bring anointing and power and blessing to Bethlehem to Israel like never before you know, might your the children who come from the fruits of this marriage be a blessing to this nation and be transformative and change and bring hope and bring dreams and bring anointing and change everything from this brokenness and heart which began in the story of Ruth and Naomi where they were immobile and lost their husbands. They were in poverty, they were in grief, they were in despair, they had no hope. Naomi called herself, changed her name to Mara, which means bitterness. She saw her life as bitter, she saw herself as living in bitterness to this point of hope and dreams and blessing and upon our lives where God said, I'm going to do mighty and powerful things through the fruits of this womb. And for the children that come from this, this match, this marriage, I'm going to work through it and bring power and blessing and the elders anointed. From being back in Bethlehem, Naomi and Ruth have been in poverty, of gleaning the fields, of, of grinding the, the wheat, of wondering where the next day of food's coming to, to a time of celebration and greatness and honor. And it's a symbol of the book of Ruth of God's love for us. Do you know what? Boaz wasn't thinking, you know, I'm not going to redeem um, Naomi's land because it's going to be complicated for me to marry 
marry Ruth and all the problems with the lawyers and the solicitors and transferring deeds and all this thing about land and which land goes where. Does this land go to Ruth's dead husband and does this go here? He said, no, I just love her. I'm going to redeem her whatever the cost, whatever the price, whatever the complications, whatever it costs me, I'm going to redeem her. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring her into my family and love her and give her and, and, and restore her and give her a name and give her standing and give her a future. Does that sound like somebody? Does it sound like God? Doesn't it? God's love for us. I've got some more slides to come up just to go quick. I'll run out of time. I won't be able to expand much more. Um, so I'm going to go through the next, next, next one. And, you know, we see, we see all this starts in suffering from Ruth's character. You know, whatever difficulties she found herself, she was always somebody who was full of faithfulness and compassion and empathy and love and dedication. She was willing to be long-suffering. She came from her humbleness that she was expecting that God would still do something. She had all hope, even the most challenging events of life, you know. And so it tells us God starts to do something through our character, doesn't he? And so in our suffering, we show our character of who we are in the midst of that. Get the next slide. Here we go. So we read in John 3.16. And what does John 3.16 say? Everybody must know that up by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That God so loves you. That God so loves me. That God so loves the world. That he wasn't worried about the complications that he finds us in. He wasn't thinking, you know, that guy's just a bit too complicated, a bit too difficult. I'm not going to redeem him. You know, I'm not going to send my son to die for him. I'm not going to send my son to die for Vanessa, for Dave, for Jackie. It's just too complicated. I'm going to send him to die for these, this, for these people over here. And I'm going to send him to die. Oh, this, this less complicated. He said, no, I so love the world and all its mess and all its difficulties, all its struggles, all its pain, all its heart. For the people who are so complicated and bring me problems, my life is God. I'm giving my son for them to die for them because I love them. Isn't that amazing? And we already saw that picture how Boaz so much loves Ruth of how much he's willing to pay the cost to redeem her and be that garden redeemer. And God, in the same way, he loves us so much that he's our garden redeemer. He's our next of kin. He wants to restore us and bring us into his tribe, into his family that we will call him father. And that we'll be his children. And that from us, the fruitfulness will bring blessing to nations upon nations upon nations upon lives and upon lives. And it says in um, 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, You were bought at a price, therefore God, honour God with your bodies. And in Romans 5.10 it says, For while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? In Romans 8, verses 30 to 31. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he always glorified. What, shall, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If Boaz for, was for Ruth, who could be against her? You know, who could stop all this blessing coming into our life, the hope for the future? If God is for us, who is against us? And, you know, 
always see kind of people saying, God loves us, you know, and it's great, yeah, God loves us. No, but God doesn't want us to say the same, does he? He wants to say, that great price that he paid for us, how are you going to respond to that love? You're just going to say, oh, cheers God, thanks a lot, I'm going to carry on and live my life as I was. Or are you going to say, God, I want to know you more, I want to know your ways, I want to live for you and love you and desire you. I want your character to become my character, your ways to become my ways, your desires to become my desires. I saw how much you loved me, and I'm going to respond to that by loving you. And love always requires a change, doesn't it? Marriage isn't exactly easy, is it? You know, you've got two people with their own individual problems, bringing and sharing their problems together, <laughs> facing challenges and difficulties together. Marriage isn't the easiest thing to do. It's challenging marriage. But we learn through our love for each other and our respect and value of each other to change. Because we don't change in marriage. We're not going to be married very long, are we? We've got to change. We've got to adapt. We've got to, through our love for each other, learn how we, our characters can change. And so in our relationship with God, God loves us. But he said, how are you going to respond to that love? I want you to think about it. How are you going to respond to the love of God? He's done it all. He's died on the cross. He's opened up the gates of heaven. It's there. It's ready. Salvation is ready there to walk into that. And that's great. God's done all that for you. But how do you respond to it? Say, thanks very much, God. I'm very selfish and I'm just going to walk into heaven. <laughs> and, and have no response to it. You're going to say, wow, I'm overwhelmed by the love of God. And... Um, our next, next slide says, As you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. For if you were um, God's enemies, oh, I think it's the same one, sorry, I'm on the same one. There we go, the priestly blessing. And the Lord says to Moses and his sons, This is how you are to bless their slides to say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And um, John 14 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And in John 14, Jesus with his disciples, and he's saying to his disciples, I need to leave you, I need to go, but I'm not going to leave you alone. And you know, if you feel alone today, if you feel kind of in despair, if you're, you feel that God is not with you, I want to tell you that God is for you. God is with you. God was with Ruth, a mobite. And he was blessing her and working for you. And God is with you and he's for you today. And he wants you to know him and love him. And walk in relationship with him. And to trust and obey him. And see him as your father. And he wants to bless you and keep you. He wants to shine his face upon you. He wants to lead you in amazing paths and journeys. He wants to bring blessing into your life. And don't close the doors to opportunities that God wants to do for you. Even in the midst of pandemic. You know, my mum and dad, they've been pretty much in home by themselves for for a, for, for a good part of nine months now and their carers come in but you know what, every time their carers come in they take, a, they take an opportunity to talk about Jesus their carers must be really annoyed but they still keep coming but, <laughs> but every time they come the carer, the electrician, somebody to fix that they're always talking about Jesus about God, what God's doing in their life and they can hardly get out of their chair you know, but they can open their mouth that's about the one thing they can do and they open it and they speak for Jesus so even in the midst of the difficulty and the struggle Speak for him because he loves you and tell other people 
about that love. And so God gave Naomi a comforter through Ruth, and God gives us a comforter through the Holy Spirit. God promises that he will never leave us, but he will send the comfort to the Holy Spirit. And that's a promise I live in. He, the Holy Spirit in me. I have that comfort now. You have that comfort now. You just have to recognize it's there for you and receive it. And then from God's blessing upon Ruth's life and Boaz's life and Naomi's life, from, I mean, they, they couldn't imagine the blessing that God was going to pour or put on them, but God was going to bless them for a thousand and a thousand generations. That's amazing, isn't it? We always think about, now I want blessing now, but maybe God, through the challenges and difficulties you're going through now, is going to bless a thousand generations. Isn't that exciting? Wouldn't it be worth going through all the troubles now, knowing that for a thousand generations you're going to be blessed? And a thousand generations look back and say, we're blessed because of that person who was faithful in that suffering. And through, and through Naomi, and through Ruth, and through Boaz, and through Ruth and Boaz together, then they have a child, Obed. And Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. And Jesus is a descendant of King David and Jesse and Obed and Ruth and so from that one family that one lady you know Boaz and Boaz's sacrifice we see thousand generations blessed we see salvation coming into the world in the midst of suffering and despair and what looks like a terrible terrible time God is there so I want to finish with a quick video if we can get it up. And you might recognize it, but it's just the last part of it. I won't give you the whole thing.
So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord unite, turn his face towards you and give you peace. And so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. And God put his name on you through Jesus Christ. And he is going to bless you for a thousand generations. Trust in him. Believe in him. He is for you. Not against you. He is for you. Amen.